is your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers. Turn, hand it off to Minner, hit in the backfield and drilled. Again, 13's there to make the tackle. Nebraska wins its fifth national championship. Giving you an inside look at everything going on in Husker Nation. This is the KLIN Husker Hour. Strike three called, and the Huskers are the Big Ten Conference champions. That's it, got it! Underdog, and then one! Exclamation point! Now, your hosts, KLIN contributor Cole Stukenholz and sports director Caleb Henry. Good Saturday morning. Welcome to another edition of the KLIN Husker Hour. I'm Cole Stukenholz. That's Caleb Henry. Hello, hello. Kenny Larrabee is here. At KLIN Huskers is where you can find the Facebook Live that Kenny is running for us. We are here with a full show. We've got Matt Coatney. Play-by-play voice of Husker women's basketball for many, many years. Will join us later on to talk about the women's team before their uh, fate is announced in tomorrow's selection show. Find out where they're going in the big dance. We're also going to have Jimmy Watkins from the Omaha World Herald to put a bow on the 2021-22 men's season. Mm-hmm. What a season it was! One for the record books, at least for a couple weeks. For for well, for some good reasons there at the end, but for <laughs> wrong reasons uh, most of the time. Uh, we're going to hit on some baseball as well, but uh, I want to start off by taking off my shoes. Going to go Mark Whipple style here. Easy. Are you from Arizona? Hey, I'm just just trying to get down with the new OC. <laughs> you know me. Um, Mark Whipple is the guy uh, that I am kind of captivated by early this spring football season. Mm-hmm. If you can call it a season, I guess. Talking season. Um, playing in half pads and shells and whatever they call right. it season. He he's from all accounts running the show on offense. Scott Frost is kind of letting him do his thing, giving a little input here and there. But Frost is walking around more. He's seeing more of the practice field. He's starting to get more into the defense, special teams, and Mark Whipple's starting to put his stamp on on the offense. And we we talked about this when we heard that Frost was going to look for somebody to give some more control of the offense to, mm-hmm. be an offensive coordinator, not just in name only, but also in practice, call plays even. And and when Whipple was hired, we were like, okay, here it is. This is the guy. He's got you know years and years of experience as a head coach, as an assistant, just coached the Blitnikoff Award winner and a Heisman Trophy finalist at quarterback. Mm-hmm. And so... I'm captivated by him not only for the doing the post practice presser with no shoes on, <laughs> but you know, hey, it's kind of comfy if you think. I mean, I'm, it, I'm I'm stretching them out. It's it's not bad, you know. You know, once in a while, there are some folks that might have some hygiene issues with with someone not having their shoes on. I'll go. I'll go get some. I'll go get some uh, cleaning spray. We got a lot of cleaner over there. I'll, I'll, spritz, I'll spritz the floor here when I'm done here. We got some 2020 leftover cleaner <laughs> happening, yeah. but. The the other aspect of that is like he is giving Frost some freedom to kind of be more of that CEO type of head coach uh-huh. here in his fifth season, and he's able to take the reins of an offense that, frankly, maybe just needs a little bit of a new voice, mm-hmm. and you're getting that obviously from leadership positions on the field with Adrian Martinez gone, mm-hmm. uh, and and Casey Thompson kind of stepping into that role here early on as QB one. But also in just giving everybody a chance to hear from somebody different than Scott Frost. Giving those players who have been in the program for a couple of seasons now, whether they've been playing or whether they've been trying to play, giving them something different, uh, maybe a clean slate, maybe a little bit different perspective. And look, starting from three and nine in year four, going into year five, I don't think you can go wrong with that approach. Obviously, the devil's going to be in the details and and the results, and we'll see how that shakes out. But early on, it's encouraging to know that that is actually the way it's going from all accounts, and that Whipple is getting that chance to be the guy as the OC. Yeah. Um, One of the other things Whipple alluded to this week is kind of, it, it, it tells a little bit of what we're seeing in how they are approaching recruiting. It's not just come be a guy who helps turn this place around. Come come be part of a special place, uh, be part of a special team. Part of it is letting young men know Nebraska wants to be a place to help them get to the NFL. Now, he was talking about 
quarterbacks in particular, um, because he was asked about after Logan Smothers said they're doing more five step drops. Um, they're going under center more, and right. and Whipple said, "Well, yeah, those are those are things that I did in the NFL. Those are normal things. Those are things you have to do in the NFL. You have to be able to go under center. You have to be able to do five step drops, and the multitude of drops that he talked about and went through. Um, so to me, that that says what they're trying to do with recruiting." And that's a big deal, because if you bring guys in who have NFL aspirations, for the most part, that tells you what their work ethic's going to be. Mm-hmm. You know, and there, there are going to be some guys who work hard, but no, they're never going to make the NFL. Not, not to say those guys aren't going to work hard. Yeah. But there are some special talents that are going to pick somewhere if they see that as a viable route to the NFL. Especially a program like Nebraska right now, where you don't have to wait around as long as you do at an Alabama or a Clemson or an Ohio State. Nebraska is that program that if you can have the coaches in place that are there to get you to the NFL, teach you the things you need to learn in three to four years, and you get more playing time, more stuff on film than you would at one of these other power programs, Nebraska's a good fit. And now you can see what you've got in your quarterback room, at least a little bit. You know what you... You know, for the most part, what you have coming back in Logan Smothers. See what kind of improvements he makes from uh, from last year to this year. Heinrich Harburg, um, we didn't get to see him on the field at all last year. What, does he make a jump going into this spring? We only really got to see him for an extended amount of time in the spring game last year. Casey Thompson, he's been the one getting the majority of the, the reps at one. Mm-hmm. Rightfully so. He's got the most starting experience. Chubb has been hurt. Torres has been hurt. Um and those have been kind of lingering things. So you still don't really have a quarterback competition, guys. And that's okay. Like, like the guys are still going to go out and compete. If someone takes a job, they take the job. But we kind of know who the one is going to be. And, and, and without saying, hey, this is already the depth chart, Whipple's come out and said how much he likes Casey Thompson. Yeah, and look, you probably want that. In the spring, you want your OC to say that he likes the the would-be starting quarterback. He talked about how Thompson threw an interception mm-hmm. on like day four, and then there's a lot of times where coaches will just be like, nope, yeah, we made a few mistakes, but we did this. He just came out and said, nope, he threw an interception, and I wanted to see how he reacted, and he didn't let it bother him. And those are the things that are important to him um, that maybe we didn't get under the previous OC, we didn't get under the previous quarterback's coach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and maybe the other part of it is, just not being afraid to put that out there may be a benefit as well. You you do see sometimes when you have a head coach like Scott Frost, who is very loyal to his quarterbacks because he was that guy when he was here. And, and, and that can work in your favor to a certain extent, but at some point it may also work against you. You can show too much loyalty. You can be too loyal to a fault, right? You can, mm-hmm. you can just kind of, be protective of a guy, but but not allow him to grow if you are too protective. Right. And so by by coming out and saying something like that, it gives you a little bit of insight into Mark Whipple's philosophy, where he's just like, hey, this is what happened, and I think it's valuable to see what what reaction comes after that, how that player is going to follow that up. How do you follow a mistake? Look, you're going to make mistakes, and there's a ton of plays in every college football game. And and it is important to be able to to shake that stuff off and move past it, even if you made a mistake in the first quarter or second quarter, to be able to know, hey, I'm confident in myself, my coach is confident in me, I'm going to go out and do it right in the fourth quarter mm-hmm. when it's winning time. Right. And that was something that Nebraska struggled to do, obviously, in all those close losses in 2021. So maybe that shift in philosophy could be beneficial right there for Nebraska, and in particular at the quarterback position. Something else that I found interesting this week when we did get the quarterbacks, we got Casey Thompson, and he talked about going into the portal, what that experience was like for him. Now, anyone who listened to the Athletes Unfiltered podcast, you got the Adrian Martinez, how that was for him. Still encourage people to listen to that because that is it's just wild how fast everything moves there. But for, for Casey... He said he was doing research on the portal and available programs that would need a quarterback two weeks before he put his name in. He would. That's just to go into the portal, guys. That's not getting ready for 
Oklahoma. Right. That's not getting ready for Wisconsin and Iowa. That's just to put his name in the portal and see if someone out there wants him. He's scouting depth charts. Yeah, he's scouting OCs and schemes. So, so Casey is he's he's putting together a spreadsheet, getting everything ready to go. On is this a decision he wants to make? And then Adrian Martinez announces he's going to go to the portal. So right away, Casey sees that as Nebraska is going to be a good landing spot. Nebraska was at the top of his list, um, ahead of Oklahoma and Auburn, I believe, were right. the others in like the final three. Right. It's a pretty good final three if Nebraska wins out on that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, once he did make that decision, what what is his next step? Casey's next step is studying Scott Frost's offense for the last few years. What does that look like? Studying Whipple's offense under Pitt the last few years. Mm-hmm. How might those things mesh? So he's able to walk in the room on day one of spring ball. Now, obviously, they've probably given him some playbook stuff so he can go over and look. But when he walks into spring ball, he's able to look at both the head coach and his quarterback's coach offensive coordinator and know what they've run in the last few years and be familiar with the concepts they're talking about. Now, everything is generally the same across football at all levels, just the terminology ends up being the same yeah, or ends up being different. So they've had to figure out the terminology when you're bringing in an offensive coordinator who probably said something different than the head coach, who all who both probably said something different than your presumed starter at quarterback and some of these other guys. But what I like what Casey's done so far is he has demonstrated an ability and a want to to put in the time and research what what he's walking into. I think that can only benefit this program once you get into the fall. Yes, and and it's it's indicative of how you would expect that he'd be preparing against an Oklahoma, uh, a Wisconsin, an Iowa in the regular season. And to have somebody like that setting the example, it's always important for that quarterback to be a leader in mm-hmm. that way, not just in what he's saying on the field, but what you're seeing him do in terms of his preparation. How much film is he watching? Right. How much time is he spending with the offensive linemen and the wide receivers and just in terms of, of getting getting a rapport built and, and getting communication down and, and starting to gel with those guys just on a personal level. Mm-hmm. All of that's important, and it's even more important when you know that this is the first year that he's a part of this team and that this year's rather important in terms of the future of the program. So all of that kind of ties in together. And, and look, this is... This is where I transition from the uh this is what we're hearing this is what we are uh this is what we are thinking and how those things that we are hearing could affect the team and this is my disclaimer to say we are not just saying this oh, because we're drinking Kool-Aid okay oh, even though I have my red drink here this is not Husker Kool-Aid all right this is just we are <laughs> oh we are God. observing what we are hearing and we have to go by what what we're hearing. That's all we got. Yeah, we we can't like we're not in the practices. No, we're we're seeing we are seeing as much as everyone else, but we do have a little bit more access in what we're able to go here because not everything ends up on all of the social media with what the press conferences are. Right. One, for instance, Logan Smothers talking mm-hmm. earlier this week, and that's a guy that as we talk about loyalty and we talk about presumed starters for quarterback. He's he's getting a little bit lost in the shuffle, you know, because it's had no one been added. It would have been, does Logan continue to have this position or can Heinrich come take it away from him? Yeah, that's what we would have been talking about right now. Um, or is a quarterback added after the spring? Yeah. If we would have been Logan's job to lose, mm-hmm. but that's not the mentality he seems to be attacking this spring with. Um, presumably, if everyone is healthy, Logan's actually third on the depth chart. If you just look at where guys are and look at experience. But Logan says he's embracing that competition because it makes everyone better. It makes the quarterback position better. They all have to work harder. The room as a whole is better. And what happens when you've got just a better overall quarterback room and better guys? Your team's better. Mm-hmm. That's just the way it works. I love Logan's mentality for all of that. Yeah. Because he sh- he's now shown that for two years that he wants to come in and just work his butt off. Said he was never going anywhere. That was never the plan. He was always sticking around regardless. No. He-, he said he's from Alabama. That's what they know is competition. Right. And he wants to come to Nebraska and work through that competition. Mm-hmm. Now, that might mean he doesn't start this year. He doesn't start the next year. 
but I like having this young man as part of the program. Um, think of and no, nothing against Matt Masker, who's a great dude. Um, think of it as a, a, a scholarship, um, more athletic, better caliber quarterback. That, that's what you're getting in Smothers, who is that glue guy in the room who's super smart. He's had a little bit of time on the field, and I like having him in there. Now, because he does have that little bit of experience, that gives me a little better feeling if someone does go down. He can go in. Right. That's something Nebraska hasn't had for a while. I love every time Logan talks because he's such a good dude. Yeah. Yeah. And and again, to be fair, there is Kool-Aid out there if you want to partake. <laughs> it is your personal choice as a fan whether or not you want some of this. Tell me you're a Nebraskan without right. telling me you're a Nebraskan. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's that's exactly right. <laughs> so, look, that's spring football is just that you are you are given information you can choose to do with it what you want and you know sometimes a lot of folks like to take it and run with it and be really optimistic and that's your choice good for you as a fan some folks are are gonna gonna hang back and just be like all right that's cool but show me in september and october and november we're just here to talk championships we're not we're not telling you how to be a fan by the way, Humphrey Lindsay Holy Family leads Shelton five nothing in the D one girls state championship at PBA right now. Make it five to two. Live sports in the morning. That's baby. right. That's right. We are here for you. Uh, we've got plenty more to come. Jimmy Watkins from the Omaha World Herald talking Husker men's hoops. Matt Coatney, play by play for Husker women, previewing their tournament run as they're awaiting their fate tomorrow with the selection show. Uh, and we'll hit on some baseball as well. We've got a lot coming up here on the KLIN Husker Hour. Talking with current and former Huskers and those that cover the Big Red. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1499.3 KLIN. State hoops going on right now over at Pinnacle Bank Arena. We had six finals yesterday between the boys and girls, six more today. Right now, this is uh, D1 Girls going on. We've got Shelton and Humphrey uh, Lindsay Holy Family. Humphrey Lindsay Holy Family. HLHF is what it says up there. The, the first H threw me off. It was Lindsay Holy Family back when I was in school. And so, yeah, the consolidation just keeps coming. Well, yeah, and it, it's the way they co op because you've got the Humphrey Lindsay Holy Family. Yeah. And then on the other side of town, you have Humphrey St. Humphrey Francis. St. Francis, which played in the D1 Boys final yesterday, if I remember. Yeah. So, yeah um, also, shout out to Lincoln Lutheran, Lincoln Southwest. Really excited to, to see those two programs in the state finals. Yep. Um, obviously, just didn't go their way. Very tight games. Um, in one, you go to overtime. You, you're facing a <laughs> kind of a little bit of a dynasty program yeah. over the last several years in North Bend Central. And um, for Southwest, you're taking on the best player in the state. And, and Fremont has built everything up to this year, but just congratulations to Lincoln yeah. Lutheran and Lincoln Southwest. Um, very excited to see those those local programs, those programs here in the city, making a run. We've obviously seen Waverly and Norris um, at state as well, but see, seeing those teams around here do well. Parkview Christian tonight at eight o'clock, taking on St. Mary's for the D two boys title. There you go. Yeah. So good luck to everybody who's still got their <laughs> titles to come. Uh, and uh, it was uh, it was a pretty wild week to have. All of them up here, just Monday through Saturday. Just yeah, yeah. And, and you had in to to tie it into Husker Hour here. Obviously, one um, because the Fremont girl is going to be going and playing for Iowa. Mm. That uh, that for the, the more I watched her play, uh, Taylor McCabe. The more I watched her play, I was just like, man, that feels like a miss in recruiting for for that one to get out of your state. Especially because right now you see the way Nebraska's playing. Yeah. Obviously, Nebraska was like 500 last year and um, and hadn't been going and getting 21 seasons every year. Iowa is a really good women's program. Mm. Um, they're always in the hunt for the Big Ten title. They just had the co-regular season championship and they won the Big Ten conference um, tournament. So, like that's a good that's a good grab for them, um, and that's a good fit for Taylor. Now it's just frustrating that they're going to have Taylor, or uh, they're going to have Caitlin Clark, and then they're going to grab the best uh, three-point shooter in Nebraska history uh, yeah. to go join them there. But you had men's basketball players, Husker men's basketball players, at several games. Bryce McGowan's um, going through and congratulating 
players when they're scoring really high. Mm-hmm. Um, you got folks taking pictures. You have, I believe, I saw just about every women's basketball player there. Obviously, you you had for uh, D two girls last night. Humphrey St. Francis was going for a repeat. And Allison Widener was on the team that won last year. Mm-hmm. So she was clearly in the house for that one. But you've had women's basketball players there all week taking pictures with fans, just taking in games. Yeah. Um, and you had Amy Williams. We'll talk about this with Cotney, um <laughs> here in about 20 minutes. But Amy Williams going full mom mode. Yep. She's got the camera out herself. She's <laughs> yelling for some stuff like during plays. And then after the, the semifinal win over Millard North, um, that's who it was, or was it Millard South? I, think I it was Millard South. I get or the Millards all mixed up. Millard South. Millard South. Yeah, in in the semis because they were undefeated on the year, and they one of the best programs over the last several years in Class right. A girls. Um, you've got the the crying Amy Williams with crying daughter Kennedy. They, like those are the moments that are awesome, and this is one of the things about having the state tournament all in one week. If girls basketball was held last week, Amy Williams would not have had that moment. Mm-hmm. She would not have been able to go and watch her daughter play in the state tournament, let alone finish second at state, because they were a little bit busy, <laughs> you know, where they were trying to make their own Big Ten tournament run. She would have had to miss all of those. So that's one of the things that happens to be kind of this this happy side effect of the way the, the schedules all work themselves out. Yeah, and it, it did. And and the way that the the recruitment for Taylor McCabe for Fremont goes towards Iowa. It, it it does sort of lessen the sting knowing that you did get Alexis Markowski and Allison mm-hmm. Widener from the from the state of Nebraska right. last year. Uh but yeah, you you don't want to miss on on too many of those within the state. Right. You kind of look at cuz cuz on the men's basketball side just the way they're recruiting um they don't like they're clearly not looking that hard at in-state. They think they can go fill those places elsewhere. Mm. Women's basketball, on the other hand, you have a number of D1 prospects every year, and you have every year in the state. So if you can go get your top one or two, or at least get one of the top two each year, and you mix in with clearly Australia, this Australian pipeline, yeah. Yeah. Um, mix in the players that you are that you are able to mix in, it fits really well with the way Amy Williams is running the program. They don't let a lot of talent leave Nebraska. Mm. But the talent that has left Nebraska has gone and played at some really good programs. Yes. You know, you've you've had some folks go to Illinois, obviously Iowa there. Mm. Um I just just watching Taylor McCabe play was like, please stay. Change your mind. Yeah. It it's kinda like, you know, this season for Watching college basketball and last season watching the the Nebraska State Finals with Bellevue West, Chucky Hepburn, mm-hmm. you know, is definitely a guy Nebraska wanted, uh, and and he goes to Wisconsin. Hunter Salas goes to Gonzaga uh, from Miller North. Uh, both of those guys were were definitely uh, priorities for Nebraska. They just didn't get him. Isaac Trout from Grand Island. He's going to Virginia, uh, and and so that's that's two two straight years where you have three high high level prospects. That you're unable to keep in the state, you know. Granted, you get the first five star in history in Bryce McGowan's, and this was a really, really highly rated recruiting class that they mm-hmm. brought in. Uh, but, but you do wonder, you know, would things maybe be a little bit different if you get somebody from within the state in terms of, you know, I, I don't know. It, it maybe you have a little bit more internal pride within the team. That that sort of thing well, can you, matter. It you can go, make the difference once or twice. You go season. through it. It's not just those guys that are playing at the, the power conference places. Think about how well Frankie Fiddler's played at Omaha. Right. Um, think about... Three Nebraska natives for South Dakota State going to um, dance. Who, who was it that went to Loyola? Um, that was another one from yeah. like that, that Miller North team. Um, and then you've had uh, Baylor Shireman from Aurora went and just lit it up at South Dakota State. Summit Player of the Year, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, you've got that. Charlie, Charlie Easley's on that Charlie team. Charlie Easley's on that from team. Nebraska, from um, Pius. David Winget is on that team. Yep, from Winnebago. Yep. Um, you've got several really good players, and you've got a chance tonight to see another really good player who's going to go to Creighton, I believe, Jason Green, who looks like, and I told someone this yesterday, he looks like the create a player. When, when you create someone um, on like NBA 2K, and they're just bigger than everyone else at like in those G League games, 
and he they just move different. Jason Green just moves different than everyone else on the floor. Yeah, because he's just a bigger dude. He's a bigger bodied guy. That's why he's going to go play Division One basketball. Um, but those are all guys. Every one of those guys not playing at the University of Nebraska. If you got two of them, I feel like it changes the dynamic on your team. There's something about playing for the team in the state that you grew up in. And not just going to Creighton. Like, like Creighton's been doing some really great things. Think of all the guys they've grabbed over the years. Um, I remember back when I was in high school, Antonio Young going there. Antoine Young. Antoine Young. Bellevue West. There we go. Um, Josh Dosler, Bellevue yeah, West. Yeah, because those were the that that young team was the one that played Ravenna. Yep. Um, right. That in the the big Class A versus C two yep, with Drake Baronic on that. Yeah, team. very fun to see all of that. But Kyrie Thomas, Justin Patton, a couple Omaha guys for Creighton as yeah, well. Yeah, Creighton has done a good job of grab who you can in the state, especially from Omaha, mm-hmm. and fill across the country as you need to. It's obviously worked out for them because they've moved up from the Valley to the Big East. They've taken their program to another level. Nebraska has gone, and I realize that this is mostly because of the way that Hoiberg recruits, um, you're not getting those in-state guys. You're not getting some of the guys that are going to go and take a chance on Nebraska, but they're going to... They're going to either really good programs or just other Division One programs. I can guarantee you, if someone's good enough to go play at Loyola, they're good enough to come through the program at Nebraska. St. Thomas. St. Thomas, that's what it was. He's the guy from Miller to Loyola. Yeah, if, if there are guys that are good enough to go be the Summit League Player of the Year, or at least in the conversation, mm-hmm. if anyone watched Baylor Shireman play at State every year, they saw what kind of passing ability he has for a guy his size. Well, and, and you go a couple years before that, the other guy who was a South Dakota State kid from Nebraska, Mike Dom, was that his name? Dom, yes. From, from out what? Just a scoring machine. Yeah. So South Dakota State, they, I mean, they, they had a, a bit, pretty big pipeline football-wise, and they've developed one for basketball, too, coming to get some guys from Nebraska. Think about when you see that for football, when you've got the guys for... Uh... The Nebraska guys that go to North Dakota State that go to North Definitely Dakota State, of some of them that go to the well, Eastern, just the Dakotas as as, as a whole, but Eastern go to Wyoming. Stick. Yeah, Easton Stick, a quarterback from Creighton Prep, goes to North Dakota State. And now he's a backup quarterback in the NFL with the Chargers. Yes, um, Wyoming as well. Yeah, you've got all of those guys, guys that are making decisions on Kansas State. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, uh, the the other schools in Iowa. There's. There's so much talent that is here in Nebraska that is not being taken advantage of across the board. I realize we've gotten a long way away from where this started with Taylor McCabe and kind of just the, <laughs> the frustration of this one player being a miss after you got both Allison Widener and Alexis Markowski last year who are both starting for you yeah. in the Big Ten tournament and will start for Amy Williams in the NCAA tournament. But across the board, now the place that you're seeing it less and less Think about what baseball has done with their recruiting. Mm-hmm. They put up a border and yeah. said, these are our guys. Mm-hmm. And obviously, I know there are, other, there are other sports that do that really, really well. It's very hard for a volleyball-talented Nebraska to leave if Nebraska wants you. Right. Like There are some places that put up a fence, but there are some programs that think how they could take steps forward, football, men's basketball, if they can corral more of that talent that is clearly here. Davon Hall at Bellevue West. <laughs> Please go get him, Mickey Joseph. Uh, Jeff Ahern on the Facebook Live at KLIN Huskers. Shout out Fall City Sacred Heart. Yep, they've, they've got a, uh, a pile of state championships over there uh, down in the southeast part of the state. Uh, so uh, congrats to them winning the, the boys' championship last night. I played I played against uh, Fall City Sacred Heart in a summer league game yeah. one year, I think before my senior year. And they were playing that game because they were a smaller class than us. They were playing that game like it was everything. And they were doing like full, they would do mass substitutions. They're pressing. Mm. We were playing with like six dudes in our seventh game of the day. And we're just like, you know what, dude? Like, this is a summer league game. You guys are taking this a little bit far. All right. Like, we want to win this game too, but I'm a little tired. Sounds like they literally wanted it more at that point. But at, at that point, I yeah. can tell you what, yeah. they did. <laughs> Fair enough. Made, right. their, made their coach mad when we did good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> we we want you to stick around more. We've got some more show for you here on KLI and Husker Hour. Uh, Matt Coatney still to come, the play-by-play voice of women's basketball with Selection Show tomorrow. We'll talk about their season and what's to come. Uh, some baseball chatter as well, and hopefully we'll connect with Jimmy Watkins from the Omaha World Herald wrap-up men's hoops. Uh, all coming up here on the KLIN Husker Hour. 
Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers is right here. You're listening to the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1499.3 KLIN. A stirring Nebraska high school recruiting uh, discussion here during the break. That went through the entire break. <laughs> I didn't think we were going to... That, that just like snowballed. <laughs> yes. It did not stop when the when the commercials came on, trust me. Uh I corrected by Jeff. Uh, the girls for Sacred Heart won, the boys got third. I apologize. Um now, moving on, uh we want to hit a little bit of baseball as the the Husker men uh are are you know, they're they're struggling a little bit. They they've Well, they did take 3 of 4 last weekend. Yes, they ended up they ended up with a really good pitching performance. They they had Shea Shannon Shay yeah. Shannon, then yeah, he he got the the shutout the the last day we had the show was mm-hmm. last Saturday, and he ended up being like pitcher Big Ten of the week. Pitcher of the week, yeah. Um, and Nebraska, honestly, they they went three and one, but the they had other than that one inning like a fantastic quartet of games, yeah. But that one inning, you give up four runs in the bottom of the ninth to lose the game, yeah, to lose the game. You were up three nothing. Yeah, you so, had given up no runs. Everything is great. There was the one inning that really hurt Nebraska. Carry that over into this week. You've got your first midweek game, your first time playing outside of Texas so far this year, and the fourth inning you give up five runs. It's one bad inning. That has been one of the things that if you go and look through each of the games, take out one bad inning and Nebraska's in a better place. I don't know that it equates to that many more wins, but you're in a better place when you get to the end of those games. Now, that just, you're looking at your team, and Shea Shanneman obviously had the good start. Yeah. But you still have not had great starts overall. Like, guys have been really iffy. And then, when you've had some guys do really well, it was Gomez, as we talked about a, a week ago, who had that, that ninth inning, blew the save. The pitching this year has just not been what I thought it would be. Um, and I know we, we had talked about coming into the season that you got to figure out what your rotation is going to be um, because of the guys that you've lost. Mm. But you also got to find a way to put some more runs on the board. Like it, It's just been all the way around. This team has just taken a, a few weeks to get things going. And then you lose the Long Beach series, yeah. which, by the way, did you see their social media? I did not. Um, Long Beach series, they they were trying to tell, trying to have Nebraska just go out there to play, oh. where the temperature like what like wasn't really that different than what things were going to end up being. Uh. Long Beach social media was like, oh, you're scared to play us because they canceled and didn't want to come up here, and then Nebraska didn't want to pay a bunch of money to go out to California and play. Yeah, they deleted the tweet. They, they, their social media got rid of that in a hurry. Was it clear that Long Beach was the canceller of the series? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Because they put that out a full 24 hours before Nebraska put out their press release on the on it being canceled. And then setting up the UNF And games. setting up the games against Omaha. So Nebraska will go to Omaha tomorrow, and then the home opener is officially going to be on Monday here in Lincoln. Yeah. Yeah. So, it, it's, you know, Long Beach... Sometimes they're they're pretty high up there in the ranking. Sometimes they're middling, and so might have been an RPI helper, might not have been. Uh, but again, you'd still have to win those games. I mean, the thought was you get one of those three at least from TCU, and that helps your RPI cause. And mm-hmm. they didn't they didn't end up getting that. Um, 
I, the problem for Nebraska baseball to me, it's been the they they've you've seen I think the really good stuff from each aspect of this team, right? You've mm-hmm. seen some timely hitting, not very much. I think that's the that's the part that has to come the farthest. Um, you've seen the starting pitching start to show up. I think that's a, a maybe the most promising piece of it because it's been more recent and it's been really really good when it's been on. And then you've also seen good defense for most of the season, but man, when it falters with those those two errors in that big inning for K State, that mm-hmm. sticks out obviously, and that was the difference in the game really. Uh, and and then you've seen it from the bullpen at times. You had Cody Frank come in, uh, I believe, in the first game of the season when Kyle Perry couldn't get out of the second inning uh, and gave you a really good performance. You've seen it up from Emmett Olson. You've seen it from some other guys who've stepped in. Yeah. So you've seen it from each aspect of this team. They just haven't had the consistency. They haven't had enough of those parts click in the same games to get them more victories. They're just 4-8 and eight right now. And so... The fact that you have had so many weekends go by already and you're still looking at a losing record, it's tough to get out of that hole mm-hmm. once you make it for yourself. And you have to have a weekend where you win all two or all three of your games and your midweek game to be able to get out of that hole. And in order to do that sort of thing, you do have to have the consistency of performance from maybe three of those aspects of your team. Um, maybe all four if you're playing a pretty good team that's got it rolling as well. Right. So, now, and, and yeah. just real quick, Nebraska, yes, 4-8, but, and yes, they were picked to win the Big Ten Conference, but some people are looking at that going, oh, there's no way they can win the Big Ten Conference, they're losing all of these games, and these are all out of conference. They're 0-0 like, zero zero in the Big Ten, yeah, so ne- that's not affected. Nebraska yet. could still run away with the Big Ten by the time that comes around. So this is all, I'm looking at this, because you've had such turnover, um, especially with your pitching, with where that's going. Um, from what you had last year to this year, because man, we Nebraska was <laughs> there was just a plethora of talent mm-hmm. that that was coming out of your your pitching for your starters, your bullpen guys, being able to bring your shortstop in to close the door, <laughs> and a pretty uh, good one at that, right? So when when you go through and see what kind of talent left, I'm looking at this non conference a lot of the way John Cook looked at the non-conference for for Husker Volleyball mm. was figure out what your lineup is. You're moving guys around in the batting order. You're figuring out what your pitching's going to be. Get it set because go win the conference and you're in the tournament. Go put, like, don't just throw games. Like, that's not what they're going to do. They're still going to try to be competitive. They still want to win these games. Mm. But figure out who you are as a team. Figure out what is the best fit for your team and get that ready for Big Tens. And we talked about this. We 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 knew that this team needed more time to get it, uh, their feet underneath them. While last year they didn't have the non-con, but they had an experienced team, and they didn't maybe, they didn't need that runway. Mm-hmm. This season they do need it. I think it's clear that they've needed it based on the results and, and some of the inconsistencies. Um, but that the fact that they do have it before Big Ten play uh, is pretty encouraging because they've got an opportunity to figure those things out before that Big Ten season starts, uh, which it will sooner than we think. It's it's coming up. So uh, when we come back, we're going to be joined by play-by-play voice of women's basketball. Matt Coatney is going to uh, help kind of preview what Nebraska's got ahead of them, not knowing the teams and the matchups, um, but just where they may fall seed-wise uh, and what type, of, uh, what type of shape they're in going into the postseason uh, in the NCAA tournament. That's ahead right here on the KLI and Husker Hour. Inside look at everything Huskers. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1499.3 KLIN. Rolling along here on your Saturday morning. And when it comes to Sunday, of course, it's going to be Selection Sunday tomorrow, a big day for lots of hoops teams across the country. And uh, one of those that will uh, find out their fate is Nebraska women, with Amy Williams leading them, we assume back to the NCAA tournament, uh, and they'll find out who It's a safe playing. assumption. Come I, on, Cole. I'm just saying. Let's be confident here. I'm, just, I'm confident. I'm confident. Uh, and uh, the guy who's here to tell us a little bit more about that uh, is somebody who's been following this program for a long time. It's the play-by-play voice of Nebraska Women's Hoops. It's Matt Coatney joining us here on the KLI and Husker Hour. Matt, how are you? Oh, the sun is out. It's March Madness. I'm doing fantastic. It's great to be with you guys. 
Yeah, great to have you on. Uh, we're uh, we're excited to see where they land and just in in terms of coming out from the performance they had in the Big Ten tournament, uh, the big comeback win against Michigan, uh, but then falling short against Iowa, a really good team that ended up winning that tournament overall. Uh, what type of shape is Amy Williams' team in right now as it stands, uh, about to find out where they're headed tomorrow? They are in great shape. They're very confident. They're very enthusiastic. They want to make a run in the NCAA tournament. They felt great about what they did in Indianapolis. They go into tomorrow's selection show knowing they're in the NCAA tournament. So it is a great time in the program. Uh, I will tell you, this has been as good a group or as fun a group to, to travel with as I've ever, ever have uh, encountered in my many years of, of calling women's basketball. So it's, it's really just everything's pointing upwards for this team. Talk through that a little bit because this this team had uh, about a 500 season last year. Uh, the the expectations coming in were were not necessarily that they would be a tournament team, but they would challenge for it. Uh, and and you didn't necessarily know what you'd be getting out of the incoming freshman class. Well, it turns out they had the freshman of the year in Alexis Markowski. Uh, Jazz Shelley has been amazing, uh, leading the team with the three point shooting. Uh, what what has this year been just in terms of where the expectations were to begin and just the evolution of it uh, as you went through the season? Really, I think you can look at this as two separate seasons. The emergence of Jazz Shelley in the early stages of non-conference mm. really made this team trend upward. Jazz Shelley was so happy to be here with her friend Izzy Bourne mm. and have really the shackles released because Oregon had made it clear to her they didn't want her to run the show. They just wanted her to stand in a corner and shoot threes. They didn't want her to be a defensive stopper, all of that. And, you know, she was kind of reborn, and she played like that. And that really, that attitude really was infectious for the rest of the team. And then the second part of it was the emergence of Alexis Markowski as a starter. Once Bella Cravens got hurt, I really thought, and I said this to many people, that once Alexis Markowski became a starter, she was never coming out of it because she's kind of an alpha personality. And once she knew, look, this is my position, she wasn't letting go of it. And uh, and then you take a look at the emergence of Allison Widener. The T's went to the starting lineup. The Huskers are a different team with her dribble penetration, her enthusiasm. So really, those three people allowed Sam Heidi to not shoulder the whole load of when the game was close. It's, it's all going to be on Sam. And so... Uh, really, it, it's been two kind of different seasons and a lot of people making this team uh, an NCAA tournament team. Matt, I think every one of the players you just named, I've seen at Devaney or Pinnacle Bank Arena over the course of this week watching high school basketball. How cool is that for the the next group of players that are hoping to play for Nebraska, uh, but just the the sport in general here in the state, how much they obviously care about the sport, care about that that next group of, of future Huskers or just basketball players, just the state in general, how much this team cares and how much the state cares about this team. You know, it, it's really one of the things I hear from fans quite a bit, how likable this team is. And I think it starts with Amy Williams because – her daughter Kennedy was a star in this state tournament. They got, uh, you know, they got beat by Fremont last night in a great Class A final. But these players relate to Coach Williams and what she's got going on as a mom. Then you take Markowski, Whitney Brown, and Allison Widener, and their love for in-state basketball, and their teammates are like, "Well, you, you what, you're going to go see, you know, Pius play? Well, let's." Let's go watch it. What, Humphrey St. Francis? Isn't that where you went to school? Well, I'll, I'll go with you and watch this. <laughs> and, you know, it, the whole team is involved into it because I hate to tell you, Ruby Porter growing up in Adelaide, Australia, had no idea what the class beat you uh, Nebraska uh, basketball championship was. <laughs> yeah. So they get into it for their teammates. And I know the fans love seeing them at these events. It's great when, you know, Channel 8 or, or 1011 has B-roll of uh, Ruby Porter, Chaz Jelly, and Alexis Markowski sitting in the stands at a high school game on, on Friday night. So you're right. I mean, they, they love it. They're, they're a big part of it, and it certainly is, has uh, caught the fans' attention around the state. 
Matt Coatney from the Huskers Radio Network joining us here on the KLI and Husker Hour talking women's hoops ahead of their selection Sunday tomorrow, finding out where they'll go in the NCAA tournament. Uh, Coatman, with the way that that Michigan game went in the Big Ten tournament, I, I thought it was pretty indicative of to me that this team is capable of winning games different ways, which is really important when you get to March. Alexis Markowski had kind of been leading uh, in, in some of those late-season wins with her dominant play and, and basically owning that Big Ten Freshman of the Week honor uh, every single week. But then she was pretty much held down by the Wolverines, and yet they still found ways to win, especially with Sam Hybe late in that fourth quarter. Uh, tell me about what you've seen in terms of the versatility of Nebraska's offense when one team wants to take one aspect or one player out of the game. Nebraska's still got options that they can go to to win these games. And you're, you're spot on. And think about early in the season when Jazz Shelley was the leading scorer for Nebraska. I've often said when conference play hits, you're going to find out what other teams think, what, what other teams think your, your strengths are because they take everything away and they made Jazz Shelley their number one scout. Mm-hmm. Well, that's about the time that Alexis Markowski emerged. And during this whole time, they're trying to take Sam Hobby away. Well, you can't take three things away from a team. You can take two things away. And you're spot on about the versatility of this team offensively because you've got Jazz Shelley, who could go off for nine three-pointers like she did, a, a, a Big Ten tournament tying record and a Nebraska record against Illinois. You can have an Alexis Markowski, who can go off for a 20-point game, a Sam Hobby, who can have the ball in her hands late game, and as Jeffrey says, she's a closer. And Allison Widener, who can come in from a wing, get into the lane when the Huskers need dribble penetration. They can come off with Izzy Bourne, who always starts the game on fire and then gets other players involved. It's a very versatile team, you know. And, and as you said, before the season, there were a lot of unknowns about Nebraska, what their potential was, and that's because everybody I've named off here pretty much was kind of a new option, and Nebraska's got a lot of tools in that toolbox, and you saw it in that Michigan game. Get you out of here on this, Matt. Amy Williams about to get to her second NCAA tournament with Nebraska uh, here in her sixth season. The the job that she's done this year, I think we've kind of summarized it well with the versatility of the options and uh, being able to to recruit the Nebraska kids to come in and make an impact early on, uh, as well as getting a, a big-time transfer in Jazz Shelley. Uh, tell us a little bit about what you see from your perspective and how she has evolved, uh, not over just the course of this year, uh, but since she's arrived from South Dakota six years ago. Yeah, you know, I... I'm the luckiest guy in the world getting to be about Amy Williams. She walks the walk and talks the talk. When she says this is a family, she means it. And you can take a look. The number one thing this team has is amazing chemistry, and it shows on the floor, and they are a direct reflection of their coach. She is tough, she is competitive, and she is enthusiastic, and that shows in her team on the floor. I don't think anybody would would disagree with me right here. The other thing that Amy – has had now in her in her sixth year at Nebraska is a really good chance to take a look around the league and say, hey, how, we're going to have to beat Michigan State, we're going to have to beat Minnesota, we're going to have to beat Iowa, and you know, and it's kind of recruited and changed her philosophy towards those things, especially defensively. The Huskers, you know, we talked a lot about offense, but defensively, this Husker team has been near the top of the conference in field goal percentage defense. They become a very very good defensive team. And that's a, a direct reflection of who Amy Williams is. All right, Matt. I know he said he'd get you out on that one, but I've got one more for you because yeah. we don't communicate at all in the studio. Um, <laughs> watch party tomorrow. Folk, folks invited out to Pinnacle Bank Arena. What are the details on that? Oh, i tell you what. You want to talk about the biggest pep rally, and they've asked me to host it. And this is going to be great. You're going to be able to hear uh, the Big Red Express pep band. We're going to have... Uh, some prizes. We're going to do the things that you usually see during games, during the ESPN commercial breaks, uh, on the floor, uh, some of the things you're familiar with, some of the games. I'm probably going to be a little bit of a game show host uh, tomorrow with that. You're going to get to hear from some of the Huskers. You're going to get to hear from Trev Alberts. Amy Williams will speak. For 15 minutes after the show is over, the players will be available to sign autographs. And it's just going to be a big party. And I get to host a big party. So bring your dancing shoes. The door is open at 6. 
program starts at 6.30. The selection show will be on the big screens at Pinnacle Bank Arena. They're going to lower that big screen down a little lower for everybody. And plenty of room for everybody. Come on down. It, and, and really, it's going to be a lot of fun. Ain't no party like a coat man party. Because a coat man party <laughs> don't stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good stuff. I, I, I hope there will be a big crowd there for you tomorrow, and, and there's going to be a, a, a lot of fans cheering wherever they end up in that NCAA tournament. Matt Coatney, play-by-play voice of Husker women's basketball. Coat man, great catching up with you. Thanks for the time this morning. Hey, go Big Red, guys, and let's hope for a great seed, and let's go dancing. Let's go dancing. All right, great stuff. Matt Coatney joining us here uh, on the KLIN Husker Hour. That, they they have the 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 party and and they were able to do that. I think uh, in 2014 for the men uh, when they had the the big party when when they got the 11 seed in the NCAA tournament and mm-hmm. yeah it, it it was it was a pretty awesome atmosphere then and and yeah you'd think it'll will be again here tomorrow. I, I would expect it too. And right now Nebraska projected a six seed to go to Austin. Um, and Jack, who's going to be out this whole next week for LNK Today with Jack and Friends, he's hoping for Austin or Waco yeah. because they're heading down to the Gulf Coast for right. uh, for vacation, and they would be coming back through Texas on their way home when hopefully these first-round games are going on. Yeah. So Austin wouldn't be bad because you would get – think about this, guys. If, if Jack Mitchell's tweets aren't, aren't <laughs> bad enough, when you have a game going on at any time, but put him in the building – in Texas mm-hmm. for an NCAA tournament game, mm-hmm. you will be able to hear someone yell "garbage officiating" mm-hmm. over your television. You'll see. You'll see him <laughs> tweeting pictures of himself with the horns down, even if Texas isn't actually playing. Texas State dude with the ultimate horns down. Oh this yeah. Week. <laughs> oh yeah. You can't get enough of that. Um, it's uh, so we we have the tournament selection show for the women tomorrow. Uh, men's season's done, obviously, um, and we'll spend some more time on that next week. Looks like we're going to be able to talk with Ken Pavelka, um, play-by-play voice for the Just men's Just put a team. bow on it. And, yep. Because here, here's the thing, I, and I know we're, when we talk to KP, we'll probably talk about this a little bit too, but I loved seeing that stretch run of kind of three and a half games for Nebraska, for the players, for Hoiberg, for all of us as fans, but did anyone in the state need it more? Than KP and, and and Jake. Oh man! Just, just the, what what they do every single day. They go out, they call the games, they break them down. At some point, you're just asking the same questions. You're you're bringing up the same issues. Yeah. But that three game run of wins was so much fun to listen to those two guys yeah. here on KLIN when when you're going through as the game is happening, going through the post game, then breaking it down. The joy and they love that they have for Nebraska ball. You could see it with how they went through really the dark part of the season and then the way they emerged so happy and joyous with that that three game stretch it is very happy for those guys yes and and hopefully more more happy times to come obviously Hoiberg will get that fourth season uh, and and yeah so uh, tune in next week where we'll hopefully have KP if you missed any of the show Head over to the podcast page at KLIN.com. You can catch up on the Facebook Live at KLIN Huskers. Baseball is at UNO tomorrow. Tomorrow, 2.30 pregame, 3 o'clock first pitch. Then they'll be back here in Lincoln on Monday. And as Matt Coatney said, selection show tomorrow. Doors open at 6 at Pinnacle Bank Arena. The Coatman party begins at 6.30. I will be there. I'm excited for it. That's right. And we will have uh, either on B or on KLIN the, the games for the women in the tournament. So stay tuned right here. Go Big Red.